0: The Lord be with you. And with your a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Lord, Glory to you. Lord. The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God had made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, of the, in the, house the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. If she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you. Whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Then he embraced them and blessed them, placing his hands on them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this is one again, uh, one of those... Sundays where the scriptures are just packed with uh, amazing, I think very impactful scripture uh, that's just, is really important for us to hear and to kind of unpack. uh, But of course, we only have a homily, kind of a short conversation uh, to be able to kind of unpack some of it, some of it. First of all, we'd like to start out with what Jesus says, right? Um, Jesus here uh, seems... um, seems to be a little bit harsh uh, in some ways. He's making it harder for us. Um, In the old law, you could do divorce and you could write a bill of divorce whenever you wanted. And here he's kind of questioning that practice, right? Now, maybe this is just a one-off. Maybe he doesn't really mean it. Maybe it was just kind of a side conversation that was recorded. Well, one of the ways in which we realize that this wasn't just a side conversation, it wasn't just something that he kind of said uh, just by chance or or didn't really mean it, was a, a few different things. One is that he reaffirms it. So he says it initially out in public, and then the disciples ask for clarification. And he clarifies it. And then instead of making it easier, he again clarifies it and kind of umps the ante and says, yeah, if you divorce and you marry another, it's not just bad, but you're actually committing adultery. Now, maybe this is, again, just one part of Scripture. Maybe we, uh, you know, we don't necessarily like this. And so maybe we just kind of move on and read other Scripture. Well, except for it shows up in all the different Scriptures. So this is in the Gospel of Mark. We're reading through the Gospel of Mark. In Matthew, there's actually two different instances where he talks about divorce. Uh, in Luke, he, we have another account. So we have four different accounts of Jesus talking about divorce, and he's always consistent in it. Now, what does that mean? Well, maybe it's just one time recorded four different ways, or he talk about the, t- talked about this often, and it was only recorded four times, right? Uh, So we kind of see that. In one of the other accounts in Matthew, which I think does a similar situation, is here kind of reaffirming it. um, He says, you know, if someone divorces and remarries, you know, they commit adultery. And uh, the disciples question him a different way. They say, Jesus, if that's what you're saying, then it would be better for someone not to get married, right? Because their reasoning is if they can't divorce when they want to, like, This, like, you might as well not even enter into that, because if you don't have an out, then it's not even worth it. And Jesus says, yes. In fact, for those who are able to hear that uh, some are made eunuchs, some choose to be eunuchs, um, and that some choose to be eunuchs for the kingdom of God. Right? And so we actually see kind of the teaching about celibacy within this in some ways. Now, Jesus isn't saying that marriage is bad. The apostles in some ways have a low view of marriage, right? <laughs> kind of in that. Um, so what does it tell for us? Well, it tells us that Jesus does give us a vision for marriage. and tells us that he takes it very seriously, right? That it's something to not just uh, be brushed over or, or thought that we know better. We need to be very careful when we approach God and we approach scriptures to not uh, commit the same sin that Adam and Eve committed at the very beginning. So we have a reading from Genesis, which tells us, again, kind of our origin in some ways. Now, an uh, important thing about Genesis is that um, I think as Catholics, we, we don't have to interpret it literally. Um, In fact, the writers, it seems to be intended to tell a true story, but maybe not a literal interpretation of exactly what happened. So just kind of a little bit of context within that. However, we do believe that it's uh, authentic scripture and that it is true and it tells a true story about us, what really happened. Okay. and after the creation, right, we all know the story of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve are in the beautiful garden. And God says, you can do anything, but don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, with that, Satan tempts. And how does he tempt the Adam and Eve? Now, Adam and Eve, because Eve is there, but we assume that Adam was nearby and probably listening to the whole thing as well. And Satan tempts him by saying, Did God really tell you not to eat from this tree? Well, that's because he doesn't desire good things for you, right? He wants you to be kind of under his thumb, right? He knows that if you eat from this tree, that you'll be like him. And he doesn't want that, right? So Satan often tempts and says, well, God doesn't desire good things for you, right? He's trying to hold you down. He's trying to keep you back in some ways. And so Eve takes from the fruit, right? And this tree of knowledge versus good for evil, we have knowledge in a few different ways. Knowledge, in one way, is just being able to distinguish, right? Okay, I know what is good, and I know what is evil. That's kind of an outside knowledge. However, there is a knowledge that's an intimacy and a a creation-type knowledge that the Scripture also talks about. And so one thing that this tree is often kind of interpreted is that this tree is not just the exterior knowledge of good versus evil. But by taking that fruit, there's actually uh, a, a knowledge that is creative of deciding, of deciding what is good and evil for them, right? So Eve, by taking that fruit, says, I know and I make the choice and I kind of create and I control that now this action is good for me, even though that God said that it was bad for me. And we do that sometimes as humans in our pride. And what does that do? Well, that makes us, that makes us our own God. Right? God, our creator, knows us better than we do. He lets us know what is good and evil. We don't decide that for ourselves because we're not God. Whenever we take it upon ourselves to decide what is good and bad... Uh, for us, against God, right? Well, then we create ourselves as God, right? We put ourselves on that pedestal. And if we become God, if I, I become God, right? We got some issues because I, I, I'm not smart enough, right? None of us are smart enough. None of us are good enough to be able to make those proper decisions, right? But God, allowing Him to be God, we receive from Him, And he, knowing us, desires our good. Do never, never take Satan's temptation, right? Oh, God doesn't desire your good. Now, a lot of times he can especially, Satan can especially play into that uh, kind of doubt that we sometimes have that God desires our good, especially when we experience suffering, right? When something is difficult. And I find this often with marriage and divorce, as well as with many other things, is that, guess what? There are difficult situations. And people say, well, God understands, right? It's a really difficult situation. So so God would want me to be happy, right? He would not want me to suffer in any way. And we have to be clear about what God desires are good. God does not desire our life here on earth to avoid all forms of suffering. He does that God's good and evil... (laughs) is not judged on the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain, okay? God actually has a different plan. He has a plan for your flourishing, which actually sometimes includes suffering and difficulty. Sometimes includes suffering and difficulty. And how do we know that? Well, we know that uh, kind of from the second reading, it talks about it, and it talks about it in multiple places in Scripture. But it says, it's talking about Jesus in the book of Hebrews, and it says, for it was fitting that he, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, right, for whom, through, for whom and through whom all things exist. So we, we see Jesus through, was the creator, right? He was the second person of the Trinity. Everything was created through him. In bringing many children to glory, should make the leader to their salvation perfect through suffering. Now, this is a very confusing phrase. that It, it says Jesus was made perfect through suffering. Now, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is God. He's already perfect. So, how was He made perfect through suffering? I don't know exactly. But it does seem to indicate that suffering is not evil. We sometimes apply the judgment that suffering is evil. And actually, we see here that Jesus is suffering was actually the thing that helped perfect him, right? And that he said, not my will be done, but Father, your will be done, right? Even to the point of suffering and dying on the cross. And we see this in uh, Christianity as well as a whole, that we are made not to suffer. We're made for our good, but that there are times of suffering and difficulty that actually allow us to be formed in the fullness of who we are. And so God gave us the institution of marriage. And marriage is is not primarily, we talk about it in suffering. I wanna talk about it in suffering because I know that there are many marriages that suffer. And one of the reasons why marriages suffer is because unfortunately, both people involved aren't perfect, right? It's not just one or the other, it's both people aren't perfect. Both people are sinners entering into this relationship. And so there is suffering. There is difficulty. Uh, There are problems that come up. And that doesn't tell us that marriage isn't good. What it tells us is that God has something more involved, right? That he desires in some ways perfection to come about through at times that suffering and difficulty and enduring love even in the midst of suffering. And that's why he gives us the sacrament of holy matrimony. In the Old Testament, they didn't have a sacrament. And so uh, Moses allowed for a bill of divorce. But from the beginning, God, it was not so, right? He made the male and female and that they'd be joined together. And so we actually uh, say that Jesus, right, in the New Testament, actually instituted the sacrament of matrimony which is a sacrament that joins together, that God joins together and within sacramental grace gives grace to be able to endure, to be able to love and to be able to uh, be able to endure and grow in that relationship. Now, I just want to make one point about uh, kind of the Old Testament. First of all, that the theology of the body is so needed. John Paul II uh, talked about theology of the body and he especially uses Genesis as well as kind of theology of scripture that's there, as well as kind of the book of nature that we see within the natural law, the way in which God has made the body, the way in which certain things that are good and bad for us. And one of the things that he um, kind of in this story is uh, that I wanted to point out was just this interaction of uh, the creation of woman. Sometimes it can be kind of thought that woman is an afterthought. That's actually not the case here, okay? So I want to point out a few things that kind of give uh, the role of women within this. So Adam, right, the first man is trying to find a suitable partner and he gets all the animals and none of the animals are suitable partners. And they're not suitable partners because they're less than, they're inferior, they're servants, right? So God has to do something different. He doesn't create another animal, another one that's less than or inferior in any way, but instead he brings forth from the side of Adam right? Someone who's equal, not on the head, not on the feet, but from the side, from the rib, and create someone who is co-equal, one who is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. However, we realize that men and women are not identical. So what are they? What we call is perfect complementarity, And how do we learn from this? How do we know even within the theology, the body, right? The body that we have ourselves, what God communicates, truths God communicates to us. Well, one of the beautiful things that God has created within the human person, within male and female, is that we know when a male and female come together, that life can come forth, right? That God has created that union so perfect and so complementary complimentary. Uh, well, that's not quite a word. Uh, they're very complimentary. Compliment. They compliment each other so well that when they come together, that life might come forth. Wow. If that doesn't tell us something about God's creation and his intention for us in life. And that's why the church continues to teach that marriage is an institution, a sacrament that's between one man and one woman. Because this is an institution, this is a gift from God that God has created within our very being of what he has made us. And I know that there are so many people that suffer and the world is so crazy in so many different ways and is trying to create good and evil and trying to have that knowledge and, and create and control themselves. But, but we're ultimately not here to be God. We're here to receive from God. To be able to try to be perfected, sometimes through suffering. And there are so many people who are out there who are suffering in so many, so many ways. And we don't seek to abandon them. We don't say, well, you don't fit in the normal, you know, kind of uh, the normal way in which God works. So you're you're not part of this. We all don't fit within the normal way that God works. Right. Because we're all sinners. However, the difference between what I hope that we are and, and Jesus is incredibly soft and gentle with sinners. But he's not soft with those sinners who won't acknowledge their sins. And try to control good and evil. And we see this especially with the hypocrites, the scribes and Pharisees. Those who say, no, 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 I know what's good and bad, right? I say what's good and bad. No, uh, Jesus is incredibly uh, harsh with them. uh, But he's incredibly gentle with those who say, I'm suffering, right? I'm in a difficult situation. I don't know what to do. And he's incredibly gentle with those. And so that's why Pope Francis has been uh, really generous, especially with just continuing to emphasize the need to accompany people. And so what I'd like to just offer, again, if, if you're in an irregular situation, if you're struggling with something, please, I can't accompany you if you don't uh, come and talk with me, right? Please come and talk with me. We're here to, if your marriage is in an irregular situation, If you are divorced and remarried and you haven't uh, reconciled with the church uh, with that, come and talk to me. I want to accompany you. I want to be able to help regularize your situation and your relationship with the church. If you know someone who's away from the church because of that, please let them know. Come and help them. Come and talk to me if there is a desire for reconciliation. Jesus here gives us an amazing gift with the sacrament of holy matrimony. However, with great gifts also come great responsibility. And we as Catholics are here and called to receive that great gift and to try to live it uh, in our life um, and to be instruments of that grace um, throughout the world.